0: Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. So we're going to do a bit of a whistle-stop tour through, through the teaching. And then, but I would say to you, please do, um, if this is a subject you just think I want to find out more about this, this is one of those subjects. Okay? Depending on your tradition, you will have various perspectives on this subject. This is one of those ones. Um. So I'm going to do my best to just talk you through the main teaching in the Bible on it. And then we're going to have a chance to respond and use that gift. Use those gifts. Um, so, but then if you think, no, I really want to, I want to dig into some of the things that you heard today. Then just take note of the scripture references. And then you can, you can read more about it. It's so important that you just get confident biblically in this kinds of thing, um, Because it can be one of those subjects that just kind of arouse different responses, different reactions. Let's start in Genesis 11, which is probably going to be a surprise for you to hear that. But Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to read to you, first of all, I think they're going to to you the first nine verses. Um, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let's go down. And they confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So basic story is this. they're building a tower to reach to the heavens and make a name for themselves. So it's essentially, it's a parable. It's an embodiment of kind of human unity and pride without any reference to the creator. We're going to exalt ourselves and make a name for ourselves. That's the context. That's what's going on. They're building a tower together. Um, and God sees it. Anthropomorphic language, God comes down. Anthropomorphic means that it's language used to kind of describe what a human would do so we can relate to it. But obviously God didn't literally come down. God knew what was going on. But he sees what they're doing and his his comment is is that they've got got one purpose, one language. Um, But but their hearts are full of pride and self-will and against their creator. Therefore, we're going to confuse their language uh, so one minute, you're building a tower, you know, passes the brick make, you know, thank you, passes the brick mercy. you know, it just happens in that moment. Whoa, what do you mean? What does that mean? They, suddenly they're confused, as a result, the building work stops and they're dispersed across the earth. So the context here is judgment. So the context is judgment, the judgment of God on the pride of humans, and the result is confusion of language. Okay? That's that's the main idea that's going on there. I wanted to take you there because Pentecost is a reversal of Babel, All right? So we now go to Acts chapter two, which is the day of Pentecost. So we're we're at this point 50 days after Jesus has laid down his life and been resurrected from the dead. He spent 40 days appearing to the disciples, demonstrating beyond doubt that he was physically risen from the dead. And his resurrection demonstrates that he was who he said he was, which is the Son of God. Okay? So he spends 40 days doing that and then ascends to the right hand of the Father where he is now enthroned and remains enthroned. And then there was 10 days of prayer while they are waiting for the promise of the Father, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, as the end of those 10 days of prayer, And the Spirit is poured out. It's a huge moment. It's a huge moment. It's all based on the work of Jesus 50 days before. It's all based on the gospel. It's all based on what we've been singing about and hearing about and reading about this morning. Everything hangs on the extraordinary work of Jesus on the cross. And his victory over the powers of darkness, sin and death at the cross. And then the demonstration that he has overcome them through his resurrection that and Christ, Jesus then ascending to the throne the Bible says that he then received the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Father and pours it out on the church and the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church until the time when Jesus returns amen all right so that's that's the story that's what's going on there so let's look at uh, Acts chapter 2 we're going to read um, the first 15 verses there enabled them to utter, to speak languages that they hadn't previously known. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So it's the opposite from Babel. They're going, I, can, I understand. Wow. So, so here, there's a dispersion again of languages. But because you've got a lot of um, pilgrims in Jerusalem visiting for the feast, for, but they're from different nations that speak different languages, but the Jewish pilgrims, they're gathered to this sound. And when they hear, they hear, oh, you're speaking in my language. Oh, you're speaking in my language. So actually, it's, a, it's the opposite effect of Babel. It's comprehension. And so it says here that as they come and as they gather, each one... Hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it goes through a list of those various languages. We hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. So you've got Babel, who needs God? We do our own thing. Judgment, confusion. Here you got mercy because of the work of Jesus Christ. Spirit poured out, various languages, but now it's God-centered praise. Understandable, comprehensible. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine, they're drunk. Now I want to ask you a question here. Why would a room full of people speaking other languages make you think they're drunk? So that actually doesn't make much sense. If I walked into a room and people were speaking lots of different languages, I wouldn't think, oh, this lot are out of their heads. I wouldn't think that. So I think we, I, I, what I want to say, there is some kind of, there is, they are, demonst- they are doing this in such a way as it could be perceived that something powerful spiritually is going on as well as speaking in other languages. It's a bit like, they're not just speaking in other languages, it's a bit like they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right? So I'm just wanting to draw your attention to that. Not to say that when you speak in tongues, you have to act drunk. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this, that the speaking in tongues as a a gift is a spiritual experience. And as such, it may be accompanied by spiritual ecstasy it may be accompanied just by a sense of being overwhelmed by the nearness and the presence of god and as such you know you might you may find that your your normal conservatism is compromised in some way right i see it i see it in football stadiums every week it's actually not odd it's passion it's expressive devotion it's it's I see it all the time. And if anyone does that in church, mm, this is a bit of a strange, this is a strange church. No, it's not. It's a church that feels free to express devotion and praise and use all of our bodies to God. And if sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a liberty that comes out with the spirit of the Lord, is there's liberty. And who knows sometimes, not always by any means, but sometimes if there's even a sense you feel a bit intoxicated in the presence of God, all well and good, better that than on wine and beer. Can I hear an amen? I'm just teaching the Bible, folks. Verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 a.m. Which is what the third hour of the day is. They would count from 6 a.m. as the first hour. so only 9 a.m. And then he goes on and he, he, he quotes the prophet Joel, who hundreds of years before had said, God says, I'm going to out my spirit in the last days. And there'll be prophecy and all sorts of stuff going on, dreams and visions. Peter's saying, it's happened now. The floodgates have opened and then the prophecy carries on right through until the return of Christ. Which means the floodgates of heaven are opened from Pentecost through to the return of Christ. Okay? It didn't stop at some point around about AD 300 where the canon of scripture was closed. The Bible does not teach that. Okay? The Bible does not teach that. It's not biblical teaching. So now let's go to the teaching on the, on the gift of tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to really focus on, uh, make a couple of comments on 1 Corinthians 12. There's a list of the gifts, tongues and interpretation are there, along with knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, things that we've looked at so far and we'll continue to look at in the coming weeks. Then you've got the famous 1 Corinthians 13, which you normally hear at weddings. weddings. But it's sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians We're good at maths in this church, right? Because what's happening is, the Corinthians, for context, the Corinthians, they love spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues. They love the gift of tongues. So much so that in their meeting, they're all at the same time shouting out in tongues. It's chaos. It's carnage. But they think it's really spiritual. And so Paul's having to speak into that to help them to use the gift well. And he's saying that a really good way of using the gift is through a spirit of love. You might think you're really spiritual because you can prophesy or you've got faith to move mountains. But without love, it's just noise. It's just noise. Your gifts aren't about you. Your gifts are about building up the body of Christ. Amen. It's not about, oh, who am I? What am I? Don't make it about you, please. There's enough just to try and make everything about you. Don't do that. Spare yourself the hassle. It's about the glory of God and God using you to build up his church. Ah, it's not about me. Ah, yeah, you can relax. But he'll give you gifts so you can play your part. It's beautiful, wonderful, wonderful, liberating thing. And so there he sp- speaks, chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, I'm draw your attention to that. So that implies that the gift of tongues, the gift of languages can be languages of other nations. I remember being in a meeting once, and praying in tongues and someone saying to me, do you know you were speaking in a particular dialect? No, I had no idea. I have never learned it. <laughs> I was just speaking in tongues. I didn't know what dialect I was speaking. I was just praying. They said, no, they, they knew that language. They told me, no, you were speaking in that. Oh, wow, okay. But there's also the tongues of angels. There may be languages that God gives you, but it's not recognisable. Okay, Angelic languages. Okay, So if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then later he goes on and he describes the age we live in now. The age of prophecy and knowledge and tongues. And then he talks about another time that's coming where, where, where the perfect will come where we will know as we are known. yeah. And at that point, then, prophecy and tongues, that will all cease. We don't need it anymore. Why? Because we will see him face to face. That is talking about the return of Jesus. That's not talking about when the canon of Scripture is closed in the the AD 300s. It's really important you understand this. Because most churches that will not permit speaking in tongues and prophesying and miracles, they, they base it on this passage where they say, look, this is going to be done away with when the perfect comes the perfect hasn't come thank god for the sufficiency of scripture but that's not what paul is talking about he's clearly talking about the return of jesus that's when these things will be done away with can i hear an amen (laughs) yeah so we just we a lot of people just simply they're afraid of the gifts or they've been around gifts being used in a weird unhelpful destructive way and i think blow that just give me some songs and bible teaching that's all i want i don't want that And that's understandable. That's understandable, but it doesn't make it doctrinally right and God's best. It just means you've had some bad experiences that you don't want to go through again. And that's completely, I sympathize with that. But we don't want to build the way we do church on that. Because that way you've been defined by your bad experiences more than you're being defined by God's revelation. You've you've, You've not just been negatively impacted in the moment, you've set the course of your life as a result of that. Come on, let's not do that. God has more. Amen. Chapter 14, let's read it through together bit by bit. Now, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Some people say, don't, don't, don't seek the gift, seek the giver. Look, look Paul's saying here, seek the gifts. All right, brilliant soundbite, love it. Not biblical. Okay, the point they're trying to make is, don't love the gifts more than the giver. Can I hear an amen? It's all about knowing Jesus, the whole goal of life, okay? But don't get weird. Right? Don't fo- don't follow a tweet when the scripture tells you here. Seek the gifts. Okay? <laughs> Come on. So, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. The word there is cover. It's normally you it's it's it, it, it it's cover. Thou shalt not cover. That's the word that's used. It's a strong word. It means you want something so much you've almost lost your peace. You, I want. I want to prophesy more. Oh Lord, I want to. It's, there's something strong about it. That's the position. That Paul, now listen, Paul is saying this to a church that are crazy in the spiritual gifts. What would you do if you'd come to Corinth and they're all, they're prophesying over each other, they're praying in tongues over each other? The, by, the, by the time the poor people have arrived, the rich people who work shorter hours have eaten all the bread and wine and love feast. There's nothing left. They're denying the resurrection. That's, this is what this church is doing. Okay, they're divided. Yeah. They come in and Paul says, pursue the spiritual gifts. He thinks, Paul, you're going to make it worse. What are you doing? Calm these people down. That is not apostolic wisdom. And if you're ever around anything cautious around the spiritual gifts, it's like someone puts a blanket on the congregation. It is not apostolic wisdom. That is not how you deal with that. You, just, you teach about love and you teach about order. But n- n- you don't sound. You start sounding cautionary notes. Everyone closes in and you quench the Spirit. Not good. No, you want the life of the Spirit. Paul, it's interesting. Paul, doesn't look at how he approaches it. Especially that you may prophesy, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. So pr- sp- it, when, when someone speaks in a tongue, it's not like a prophecy from God to us. It's, too, it's Godward. It's like a prayer. Okay, notice that. So sometimes when someone brings a tongue and someone says they've got an interpretation and they bring a prophecy, that's not the interpretation. What's happened is, as that person's brought a tongue, what you tend to find in the congregation, when someone brings a tongue publicly, it's just like lifts the ceiling a bit spiritually. And so at that point, all kinds of people start hearing from God more than they were before that moment. But if you've got a prophecy, it's probably just you're, you're being quickened because the spiritual temperature has just risen a bit through that person bringing the tongue. But it's not the interpretation. The interpretation is a prayer. It says they're, they're speaking to God. So I'm just, just walking you through the text here so you understand. Okay. No one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. You utter, so when, you, when you're praying in tongues, do you know what you're saying? No. And that's okay. That's the gift of tongues. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Agreed. But we'll look at a bit in a minute what is going on there. The one who prophesies. Sorry. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks to the tongue builds up himself. So when you pray in tongues and think in this moment more about your own personal private prayer time, as you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You are building yourself up. That's primarily what is going on and what the gift is for in private use. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. He's saying that to the Corinthians. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay. So his main context here, he's talking about the gathered church. And he's saying, if you're going to speak in tongues in the gathered church in a public way, of course, as we're praising and you know, we're just singing and we might sing our own song to God, you might do that in your own first language or you might do that in tongues. But if you're going to publicly start talking in tongues in a loud way so that other people notice, there needs to be an interpretation. Okay? If you're speaking in tongues in a way as to be heard by the congregation, then either yourself or someone else will need to interpret it. Why? Otherwise, no one understands what's just been said, including you. So no one's been built up. So someone might, I don't know, like speak really loud in tongues in a way that's really impressive and sounds really spiritual. But if you you can't say amen at the end of it, what can you? You don't know what it meant. <laughs> so i have just I'm just following it through. It's wonderfully logical. I'm trying to break the mystique. So we just get out of the nonsense. and go, look, it's just, this is just a teaching. This is how it works. So, so, so publicly, it's better to prophesy because then other people are built up through the words of God rather than just talking out loud in tongues without an interpretation. Okay? Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And then he goes into and he, he unpacks that by talking about... I'm not going to focus on that, but he's just saying there needs to be clarity if you're going to bring something publicly. Now, let's look at... Uh, Verse 13. It's really interesting. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So, if you're going to bring a tongue, which we're going to do in just a moment, God willing, yeah, also say, Lord, please can have the interpretation, but because interpretation is also a gift in and of itself, if you can't interpret, don't worry about it. Someone else will be able to. Okay? So, it's totally legit to bring a tongue and then interpret it. Or to bring a tongue and for someone else to interpret it. Okay? You don't always have both those gifts at the same time. Now you might say, what's the point of this? If there's going to be interpretation, just do the bit in English. Why this other bit? Right? These kinds of things can, can cross our minds. It is a spiritual manifestation of the accomplishment of what Jesus has done in breaking down the walls between nations breaking down that earthly heavenly divide it's a it's a spiritual supernatural manifestation of the fact you are speaking a language you have never learnt that 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 is a miraculous thing and it's a it's like a sign that kind of look look what look what the lord has done in the gospel it it's a it's a genuine um spiritual deal that's going on that points to gospel truths and causes causes us to go wow, look look god's breaking down all the walls you know talks in ephesians about this wall between jew and gentile broken down unity now unity galatians 3 between male and female between slave and free this gospel does never never touches diversity never compromises diversity but brings extraordinary unity amen Wonderful. And so this language deal, that's what it does. It points to that. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a supernatural thing that's going on. And you might think, well, there's more efficient ways. It takes twice as long with a tongue and interpretation. Why don't you have the interpretation? Listen, God is not always as efficient as you might like him to be. Yeah? There's more to life than being efficient. There's a color and a majesty and a poetic artistry about the ways of God. That we just need to really protect. Even if it's at times somewhat inefficient. I love this. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Any of you here that have the gift of tongues and you're praying and you're walking around your room thinking, what am I doing? Anyone? Yeah? Or I've just been doing that, but I've not thought about anything spiritual while I've been doing it. Anyone? You're all right. Look at what Paul says. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm praying about. Sometimes when I'm praying in tongues, I've got my mind on certain things that I want God to do. Other times you sort of think, oh God, I've been praying in tongues for the last five minutes and I think I was thinking about where we might go on holiday later this year. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. My mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, i.e. tongues, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. I will sing songs to the Lord In unlearned languages. Hallelujah. But I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position, in an outsider, say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So the interpretation is some sort of praise to God, longing for God, thanksgiving to God, that when others hear it, they're built up by as they hear it, that's what's going on there. They're encouraged by it. I thank God, listen to this, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul, this towering intellect. Some of you might be going, I can't get over this tongues thing because my it doesn't, intellectually doesn't make sense. Paul was a towering intellect. And if all of your experience in God is only on a cerebral level, and I'm not being anti-intellectual, but if you, all of your experience in God is only on a cerebral level, only, only logical, and you can, you know, it all, it all fits with your own your little finite mind, so it's raising some really big questions right there, right? We're dealing with God here, and even though we don't throw out logic and throw out reason, of course not, they're part of God's gifts to us. There are there are times and ways in God where you're praying for stuff you don't know how to pray for. That am I right? God, yeah, I've got no idea. I've got no words for that. All I've got is sighs and groanings and the gift of tongues. Well, hallelujah, put them to use. Put them to use. And I tell you, you will see the impact of those prayers. Because something is going on that transcends the intellect, it transcends human reason. I mean, it's so important that we don't get hijacked by intellectualism in London, by coolness in London. Speaking in front of people in another language, what were they thinking? I might get all hot and embarrassed. Yep, probably will. Take your jumper off first. (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's a cost to stepping out and seeing God move. There's a cost to it. And it, it involves often, you know, a bit embarrassing, a bit. But things open up when we do it. Because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're putting your pride to one side, aren't you? And the whole, the whole of the gospel economy completely displaces pride. Human boasting. There's no place for it. He becomes our boast, right? So there's this deep things that are going on there. Um, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any, All of you, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So in church, either... We prophesy and pray in understood language, or when we bring a tongue under God's leading, we wait for the interpretation. Amen. All right. So, because of time, I'm going to leave the final chunk um, there, which you can look at. It's actually not an easy chunk, but um, I'd be happy to t- meet up with any of you to talk about it uh, if you wanted to. But I think because of time, um, so we're going to do it. We're going to have a time of response now. I'm going to just ask us to sing a, let's just sing a simple chorus okay i'm in fact i'm going to do all i can to just completely remove any atmosphere okay so that we don't begin to get weird all right don't need to get weird to be supernatural amen all right? so we're going to just just we can just stay sitting and just sing this this chorus that we're all familiar with and then when that finishes if you know that you are being quickened to pray out in an unknown language and how will you know you will, you will probably normally feel some kind of, either your heart just racing, oh no, <laughs> you know, or such, just a, 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 a sense of spiritual pregnancy with it. Don't make yourself, don't force it, don't panic, what if no one else does, we're not doing any of that, okay, we're waiting for the quickening of the spirit, okay, you haven't got to help God, <laughs> But if you, know, you sense a quickening of the Spirit, and you want to pray and do that, okay? And then we're going to wait after that for the interpretation. How do you know if you've got an interpretation? It'll be one of two ways. Either as that person is praying, a prayer will form in you by the Spirit. Okay? You just, oh, it's here. Okay? It's not a prophecy. Remember that? It's not manward. It's Godward. Okay? But it will form in you. You just, oh, it's like, it's like, it's like someone's plonked a prayer in your spirit. And just pray it out, and we'll be built up. The the other way you know you've got interpretation is because they pray. It's language you don't understand, and you understand it. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I just literally know know where they prayed, and I couldn't tell you how. And so then pray it out. Now we're not going to be uptight about word for word translations, but it's it's just an interpretation of the heart of what that prayer was. And sometimes what you'll find is this, and we can even we can even just work do a little survey this to just out of interest sometimes when someone brings interpretation then we'll stop after that and we'll say did anyone else sense the same thing? sense a similar interpretation because it's, if there's I don't know how many of us in the room God gives this gift in this moment of interpretation or we have this gift or however it works more than one person can sense the interpretation and that's fine too okay so I just encourage you that Yo, this is something that God is doing so does that make sense? So we'll sing a song and then we'll just wait on the Lord and as you're quickened, pray out in the tongue, the language that God gives you, then we'll wait for the interpretation, and then depending on time, we'll do that a few times. Now, my aim in this is that as a result of doing this, that it can just become normal for us in our services. Okay, that's the aim. That you want it to just become normal and um, it's good to explain these things in case people aren't used to it, okay? But it's just, it's just supernatural. I mean, just, take <laughs> those two words together. It's just supernatural. I don't know if those two words belong together, but you know what I mean. Uh, for us who are believers, it should be normal. Yeah, we have a relationship with God. We spend lots of time talking to someone we can't see. We build our whole eyes on someone we've never seen before. Okay, this isn't that weird, all right? <laughs> all the rest of it is. Um, so in that sense, just relax. But we, that, please don't try and make anything happen in this moment. All right? I want to just release you from that. Some of you, you're the kind of person, if there's a silence, you have to step in. Not today. It's cool. Yeah? I'm the one up here. I'll take the hit. All right? So relax. So we can just wait on God and let him lead us. Amen? All right.